one of the things that I want to talk about today um, is just talking about Jesus, right? Today is Resurrection Sunday, and God sent His Son. The story that God sent His Son, and the overall title for this is essentially Christ's Atoning Work for Sinners. God sent His Son in the person of Jesus Christ to be born of a woman, Mary. I'm just going to give us a background of how we got to this point how we got to this place of Resurrection Sunday today is that Jesus came, born of a woman, Mary, and Jesus lived as a child. He grew up. He did many miracles, and he studied the, he studied the, the Word. He learned the Word. He spent time with God in the wilderness. He came out, and his, and his ministry began at, at age 30, and it ended with his resurrection, with his death and resurrection at age 33. So Jesus practiced his whole life of 30 years for a three-year ministry. And how all of this kind of ended, it all happened within a week. Jesus went into Jerusalem on a Sunday, which is known as Palm Sunday, and that's what we celebrated last week. And Palm Sunday also signifies the Passover. The Jews used to celebrate this, still celebrate this thing called Passover, and Passover is to represent um, pretty much when the Jews were taken from from Egypt, when they were freed and they got out of slavery from the Egyptians. So they celebrate this day of Passover th this entire week. And as Jesus Christ was coming into Jerusalem, um, which is the capital of the time, the, the people shouted Hosanna. And Hosanna means save us. Right? They were ready for Jesus to come. They had heard this prophecy that the Savior was going to come to them. And they finally saw that this Savior would be Jesus Christ. And But you have to kind of think of what the, the saving that they were looking for. You know, They were looking for somebody that was going to save them from Rome. At the time, the Jews were living under Roman rule. And so they thought that Jesus was going to come and save them and get rid of the Romans and have them rule again as the Jewish people. But instead, Jesus came to talk about the kingdom of God instead of talking about Rome. So when the when when they saw him in, in Jerusalem, they eventually got angry because Jesus wasn't doing what they thought they were, that he was he was there to do. This is all happening in a week. Keep that in mind. So on Sunday, Jesus comes. Throughout the week, he's not doing what the people think he's going to do. He's not over he's not overtaking the government. They ask him questions like, you know, what should you know, Caesar's telling Caesar's telling us to pay taxes. What should we do? And Jesus says something like, you know, render unto Caesar what's Caesar's and render what unto God what is God's. So the people keep getting angry because they're just like, this isn't this isn't what we thought you were gonna come and do for us. Why are you talking to us about this kingdom of God when we have when we're being oppressed by the Romans? Right? So then, throughout the week, Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon Iscariot, he makes a deal. He makes a deal with the high priest to deliver Jesus over in exchange for money. And then on Thursday night, this is last Thursday, Thursday night, Jesus, he has a meal um, to celebrate the Passover. He has a meal with his disciples. And that meal is what's known as the Last Supper. They go to this place in an upper room and near Gethsemane. And um, at the Last Supper, Jesus introduces communion, which is a sacrament which all Christians observe. Communion is when we take the wine or the communion is when we take the wine which represents 
the blood of Christ and we take the bread which represents the body of Christ and Jesus told us to eat that in remembrance of him. So whenever we fellowship, whenever we gather in person, we eat and we and we drink that in, in remembrance of Jesus Christ and all that he did for us. So Jesus shares with us the bread and the wine there. And then that same Thursday, Jesus gets captured. So a lot's happening on this Thursday night, right? He's having a meal. Imagine having Thanksgiving meal and then a few um, hours later, you're captured. So Jesus is captured by the Jews and a, a showdown goes on. One of the apostles decides he's going to cut off the ear of one of the guards. But Jesus puts all that, Jesus puts a stop to all of that and he says, you know, this doesn't need to continue. And then he heals the person who's there to capture him. Imagine the person who's there to steal from you and take from you you end up healing him. Hmm. So they captured Jesus on Thursday. Then on Friday, which is known as Good Friday, oh, and that Thursday was known as Maudi Thursday, Maundy Thursday, and Friday is known as Good Friday. On Friday, Jesus faces trial before before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was one of the rulers at the time, is the guy that they go to to kind of make decisions. And... Pontius Pilate is like, you know, I haven't found any fault in Jesus, what the Jews are saying. The Jews are saying that Jesus is is, is blaspheming and, and doing all these things that are not right. He's saying that he's the son of God. Um, but that's, an, that's not an issue to Pontius Pilate. So Pontius Pilate sends Jesus over to Herod Antipas. And Herod Antipas um, also sees and finds no wrong in Jesus. So the idea, he sends him back to Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate is like, you know, I'm just going to punish him a bit and then let him go. But then the Jews were so, um, th there was an insurrection among them. They were so angry that they said, no, we want Jesus to be crucified. So remember one day they were saying Hosanna and the next day and a couple of days later, that Friday, they're shouting, crucify him. Then Pilate decides, okay, you have an option. Every year during the Passover time, they had three. They they would always release one prisoner. So Pontius Pilate was thinking, "Oh, don't you want to release Jesus?" And the people were like, "Nope, we want somebody else who actually committed a bunch of crimes." So they took a criminal over Jesus who had done no wrong. And so then, that same Friday, a lot's happening. Right, this is Friday morning. You can think, or Friday afternoon by now, and. Jesus, they, they, they put a thorn on his head and they um, they give him a cross and he has to carry that cross all the way over to this place called Golgotha. And Golgotha is also known as the skull. That's where Jesus was crucified. So then they put up the, the cross and they, they put Jesus on there and then they lay him up to be crucified. Back in the day, crucifixion was known as probably one of the most was was probably the most painful way to die because you would die a slow death it would not be pretty it was not they had th they could easily just like cut your head off right they had that but they didn't do that they could hang you they could do that but they chose to crucify Jesus because they wanted him to feel the pain and they wanted him to, to go through so much so when Jesus goes to the cross right literally goes to the cross there are two other people there with him Two people who were there because they actually deserved to be there. They had they had committed some crimes. Um, then one of those guys says that Jesus, you know, please remember me. 
And right then and there, that person is saved and he's with Jesus. So even on the cross, Jesus was still forgiving people. Even on the cross, Jesus was still showing mercy. So then a few hours in, they, 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 so then they pierce and they stab Jesus' side. They pierce his side. Um, keep that in mind for what we're going to be discussing in a bit. They pierce his side and then Jesus ends up dying. Right, he dies on the cross for a moment. He dies there. And then we're still around. It's, it's near evening. It's almost late. Think of Friday evening, right? The sun hasn't gone down yet. And this is important because if the sun goes down, that means Jesus cannot be buried. But the And could not be buried until Monday. So then this guy comes around. His name is Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph is like, you know, please give me the body of Jesus. I've got this tomb that I've set aside that is ready to, to, to take him. So then the guards bring him down and they give the body of Jesus to to Joseph. Just to, just to step back, um, one thing that I forgot to mention is that when Jesus dies, there's there, there's thunder and there's, and there's earthquake, there's roaring there. And then the guards at that point, they realize that, yep, he was really the son of God. So, coming back to Joseph. Jo Joseph takes the body and he lays it in the tomb that Friday. And he had to get it all done before sunset because you can't, you, you can't bury anybody. The Jewish custom is that you can't bury anybody when the sun is down. Also, Jesus was not supposed to be... A trial was not supposed to be held for Jesus on the same day and executed on the same day during Passover. That was one of the Jewish customs, but they broke that custom. So Joseph takes them and he lays them in the tomb. And then there's Saturday. That that ends the day on Friday. A lot has happened so far Thursday and Friday, right? And we get to Saturday and si Saturday is basically silence. Everybody is distraught. What has happened? Jesus came to do all these things and they forgot that Jesus said that he was going to be crucified. Um, the disciples have all scattered. They're in hiding, right? Because they're looking for them. Just that same Thursday night, they asked, somebody said, Peter, you know, aren't you the guy that knows Jesus? And Peter denies Jesus three times, right? So they're all scared. Saturday is silence. But then on Sunday, something wonderful happened on Sunday where Mary and Martha, um, they go into, sorry, where Mary Magdalene, they go into, um, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, they go to the tomb and they see that the tomb has been opened. And they go there. Somebody has rolled over the tomb. And um, they see that Jesus is not there. They see that the clothes are there, but, but, but Jesus Christ isn't there. So then there's an angel of the Lord that, 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 that comes there. And he says, you know, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And they say, we look for Jesus. And he says, this Jesus that you're looking for, he's not here for he is risen, as he said. Now, this tomb that we're talking about, it's not some ordinary tomb. It's like a hole, you have to roll a stone next to the tomb, right? To cover it with a stone. So something that you can't just push away. Um, so, and they also put guards next to the tomb of Jesus at the time. So then the Jews were like, what are we going to do? Because they're going to think that this Jesus has resurrected. So the Jews decided to say that at night somebody came and he pushed him over and somebody came and stole the body, right? That's what they're going to say. 
that you and I, as believers, brothers and sisters, we know that that body was not stolen. We know that rather that the body of Jesus Christ was risen, and Christ rose. And if Christ had not risen, which is a topic for a different day, but if Christ had not risen, then our faith is in vain. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that if Christ had not risen, then our faith is in vain, our preaching is in vain, because if Christ did not rise, then there is no hope for us. There, there is no absolutely no hope for us to rise. So that is the story of um, Passover, the story of events from Palm Sunday all the way through um, Resurrection Sunday, which we are on here today. Today, though, I want our attention to be focused, to go maybe a little bit further back. I want us to go 700 years back before all of these events even happened in th around 33 AD, right? So let's journey on with me to Isaiah chapter 53. If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody near you does, or you, or you have an app to go through this, we're going to be taking a word from Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to be reading the entire chapter. It's only 12 verses, so bear with me. Um, so Isaiah chapter 53. Does anybody need more time? Are you guys good? If you're there, say... I'm good. If you need more time, say hold up. Hold up. All right, hold up. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. Hold up. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. It's one of the um, major prophet books. So it comes right after Ecclesiastes. I'm sorry. It comes right after Song of Solomon. Feel free to use your table of contents if needed. All right. Are we all there? Right, I'll, I'll take that as well. What was the verse again? Um, the entire book. So Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to be reading verse 1 to 12. The entire chapter, sorry. So I'm going to start reading there. So Isaiah chapter 53. I'm reading from the ESV, English Standard Version. Okay, It says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, 
and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his, offer, his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in the land. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with, many, with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with, his, with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Amen. Let us pray really quickly. Father God, thank you so much for your word. We just ask that you help us to be able to share and just do all that you have placed in our heart to give, Lord God. Thank you so much. All that you do, continue to be with us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. So, there's some things that I want us to, to know today. Is that Jesus Christ went through so much. The chapter that we just read was from Isaiah, chapter 53. And as I mentioned earlier, that Isaiah was written about 700 years before um, this, before Christ actually went through all these things. This chapter is so hard for the Jewish people to kind of piece together, even to this day, because it points to one man and one man only, and that is Jesus. Um, Isaiah for, for, foresaw all the things that were go that was going to happen to Jesus. And we see here that Jesus went through so much. And that all of that happened because of us. Since the beginning, God had a plan. And God's plan has always been there. That His Son was going to come and save us. Jesus bore the sin of us all. So we see everything that God went through here. This chapter that we're seeing where Isaiah speaks of, uh, of Jesus. Isaiah doesn't know Jesus' name, but he knows that somebody is going to come and somebody that, that the Lord is sending somebody, and that was his will. So today I want to touch on God's radical love for humanity. And God's radical love for humanity is, is that it, it pleased him so much um, that, that, that he would crush his own son. We see in the verse ten. Um, when when you when you sit there and you wonder, man, does God really love me? Does God really care for me? I hope this verse, this this chapter, gives you a resounding yes. That God would be pleased. And there are some. My my version says that it was the will of the Lord. And then the King James version will tell you that it, it pleased the Lord to crush him. It pleased the Lord to crush his own son. Oh, I wonder why did it please the Lord? Please the Lord because through Jesus we might have salvation. Through Jesus, Jesus is the only way for us to be saved. So if that meant that God had to sacrifice His His Son, then God was going to do that. If that doesn't tell you, brothers and sisters, that God loves you, I don't know what will. For God to sacrifice and make his son go through so much pain for us there there's nothing here in the in the chapter 53 that says that Jesus did anything wrong 
And we see that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Isaiah chapter 53 can be, basically be considered as the first gospel when you think about it. Because it says that all that Jesus came to do. God's radical love for humanity is so great. And when it's, it's so, um, like we can't even understand or comprehend it because we're like, who are we? You know, who are we that, that God loves us so much that he would give his only son for us? Like we continue to sin against God, you and I both. We continue to mess up. But even through that, God loved us so much that he made a way that he took the, he took the son who was perfect and knew no wrong and laid upon him all of our sins. Think about all the things we've done wrong, all the terrible things that you think of in this world. Any terrible thing that you can think of, any sin that you can think of, Jesus took that on at the cross. At the cross, all of it was laid on him. And he went through so much grief and he went through so much sorrow. All, of, all because of that. But Jesus did it anyway because he loved us so much. We see that within these verses. That's so why I find it so beautiful about, about the, the, the verse 6. It says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So God laid on Christ the iniquity of, of all of us. I just, I just can't seem to fathom all of that. When you think about it, would you do something like that? What courtroom would do something like that? Would say, yep, this person has sinned, this person is wrong, but we're going to let it go. Some time ago we thought about, you know, we, we talked about how at the end of the day, a, a, a judgment is sort of like a courtroom where who has, where you are there, your your life is, is, is put on display. All the things that you did, your, your goods, your bads. And you have Satan there as the prosecutor and you have Jesus there in your defense. And we open up the book and when you open up the book and we're trying to find all the things that you did wrong, there's, it's, it's all soaked in blood. It's all red. And what is that red and what is that blood? That is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That your sins, every single thing that you did, your sins past, present, future, all of them have been forgiven. So long as you trust and you repent and, 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 and you give your life over to, over to Jesus so then Satan becomes confused because Satan's like, what, what is all of this? This is why Satan tried so hard, guys, to keep Jesus from going to the cross. Because he knew that at the cross, there would be so much freedom for us, for you and me, that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So sin came through one man, Adam. So justification and righteousness and freedom through another man, that man, Jesus Christ. So I want us to keep that in mind. That when, we, that when we put our trust and our hope in Jesus, and we get up there someday to be faced on and placed on trial for our judgment to be made known, if the blood of Christ is there, all of our sins, everything that we did, we are made new and we are made clean. 
We stand not in our own righteousness, because our righteousness can't save us, but we stand in the righteousness of God. We put on the righteousness of Christ. The last thing that I want you guys to take out of this is that it was the will of the Lord to crush him. When we say that we're giving our lives over, the, over to Jesus, we say that we want to stand by God's side. Um, we have to know that if it pleased God to crush us, if, if it pleased God to crush Jesus, then so definitely it pleases the Lord to crush us as well. When we are going through some struggles, we just don't understand why. We don't know what's happening. Know that God is going to use you to bring other people to Him. The same way that He used Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, to be able to, to, to bring, to be able to make a pathway that people will be saved. So when we say, I want to be more like Jesus, you look at what Jesus went through. I want us to know that this isn't some sort of game that we play or just some sort of words that we say or this lolly dolly thing. Like, it, it's, it's real. It's, it, it's a difficult thing. It's not easy. But it's a beautiful thing when we stand by Christ. Because at the end of the day, those who stand by, the Christ, by Christ will receive their reward in heaven. So I want you guys to know that when you're going through something, if it pleased God to crush his own son, how much more will it please the Lord to crush us as well? But when we are being crushed, when we are going through some struggles, know that we're going to come out of it, or we're going to bear through it and become stronger and better. And from that, people are going to see us and they're going to, from that people are going to see us, but they will see more than that. They will see Christ in us. If you really want somebody to, people don't come to Christ when they see you. They don't. Nobody has ever come to Jesus Christ by looking at another person. And people have only come to Jesus Christ by looking at Jesus. And for Jesus to be made and seen in you, you have to go through some things. Count it all joy. When you, are, when you are faced with trials of many kinds. Because this thing is producing steadfastness. It's making you look more like the Lord. And when people see that in you, they'll be like, man, who is this God that you serve? That you're, that you're still making it, even though you've been afflicted. Look at all that Jesus went through. He was spat on. He, 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 was, he was shamed. He was put, on, he was put on, on a cross to die. Look at all that Jesus went through. Yet Jesus did not, did not say a word. So we see Isaiah 53 said all those things. Jesus did not say a word. And he bore that for us. So what does that look like in our lives? That means that when we're going through something, I want to encourage you guys to not always complain. It's okay to speak, you know, and, and it's okay to, 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 to share. It's one thing to talk to the Lord. Talk to God. Don't complain. Talk to the Lord. That's fair. But make sure that when you, when you go to God, you recognize that God is using whatever situation that you're in to make you stronger, to make you more like His Son. You've always wondered, what does it mean for me to be more like Jesus? Beloved, Isaiah 53 tells you. To be more like His Son means to go through pain, to go through struggle in this life. But thanks be to God that Christ has risen. Because if Christ had not risen then all that we go through in this life is meaningless. 
And Paul teaches us this in First Corinthians chapter 15. If Christ had not risen, our faith is dead. Our faith is meaningless. But since Christ rose, every affliction, every pain that we go through, everything is meaningful. Don't think that anything is ever meaningless. Every millisecond of your pain, of your grief, it is meaningful. And it is doing something for the glory of God that will be revealed in you. I want you to know and trust that everything that's going on with this virus, everything, there's nothing that we, that we should say that is meaningless. Everybody that's dying, everyone that's losing, it's absolutely meaningful and doing something in our lives. So I want you to trust that and continue to ask to be more like Jesus, knowing that it will bring some trouble, but it's absolutely worth it. Would I ever go back and say that God... Did, did life become more difficult for me when I decided to give my life o- over to God? Yes, it did. Without a doubt. It became so much more difficult. Some of the things that I had to do, some of the things that I had to change in my life. But would I ever take it back? Never. Because I have found more joy in my pain. I found more joy in what I'm going through now than the life I lived before I gave myself over to the Lord. So I want to encourage you guys. Jesus has done so much on this day. Um, He's done so much by, by rising. By rising, we have hope that we too will rise with Him when He comes back for us someday. But if Christ had not risen, then we can't rise. So best believe that Jesus has risen. Every pain that you've gone through, everyone that you've lost, know that those people someday, they too will rise with Christ. And we will see each other and then. And we will rejoice and jubilate and give glory and honor to our Lord Most High. So with that, I will close and I will pray. Thank you all so much for your time. And we'll pray and close out. So let me pray and then we'll discuss a little bit and then close out. I know we're at that one o'clock mark. So I'll pray. Father God, thank you so much. Um, If you're just allowing us to be able to, 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 to speak, allowing us to be able to share your word, Lord God. We pray that your people took so much from this and that they learned to live a life that is pleasing to you, Lord God, that you help us to die to ourselves, to die to our sins, and to live each day alive in you. God, it is a miracle that we go to sleep as believers, and it is a miracle that we wake up as believers. Thank you for always keeping us. Thank you for never letting us go. Thank you for telling us that we are loved by you.